my wife and I have got four children, so we've stopped taking that brand. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I want to recount, I've always collected, just been a sort of children's Boswell in my lifetime, I've collected all my children's saying. I'm going to recount you this three or four stories that actually happened. My, my daughter Jane was about six, came in one day with a small boy from next door. His name is uh, Neil, that's right. He was about four and a half, you know, and uh, he was about that big and that much was head. <laughs> and his father used to call him Scottish Cup. I said, why do you call him Scottish Cup? He said, because of his ears, you see, they're like the Scottish Cup ears, you know, you pick them up like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, my daughter says, I just pity you, Dad. So what about you? Me, uh, me and uh, Neil want to get married. So I said, why do you want to get married so young? And she said, well, it's better to choose your husband when you're young it saves having to walk the streets looking for one when you're old. Tyler Adams. Now, uh, if this is your first time listening to this show, I just wanted to, uh, first of all, say welcome and to point out that, yes, as it says on the label, this is a podcast which bends a knee to what I consider to be the greatest radio comedy series of all time, uh, if not if not the greatest comedy series, full stop. Uh, and I'll fight anyone who says otherwise. No, I won't. Um, but yeah, we do on this on this show we do uh, cover episodes of the Goon Show. They are the the bedrock, if you like. However, however, um, we cover a lot more than just that. Uh, the the purpose of this show is to um, examine solo Goon projects as well. So that can be films, television programs, books, other radio shows, uh, and that as long as they feature Peter Spike. Harry, or Mike Benteen, then they qualify for this show. We celebrate them, or in very rare circumstances, we ask the question, what the hell was he thinking? So on previous shows, we've covered such diverse subjects as The Magic Christian, uh, Spike's Poetry for Children, Michael Benteen's Potty Time. We've had Ed Reardon himself, Christopher Douglas, come along to talk about 50s radio comedy in general. Uh, talked about Dr. Strangelove, Harry Seacombe's wartime experiences, Peter Sellers on the radio pre-goons, um, and the recent play about Spike by Ian Hislop and Nick Newman. They're all available to download and listen to, and later this year we've got shows scheduled on a diverse range of subjects, as well as Goon Show episodes, uh, such as It's a Square World, The Great McGonagall, uh, and Two-Way Stretch. Anywho, enough blathering. I was I was forgetting that this week I have a very, very special guest indeed. Stay tuned. So uh, this week I'm honoured and delighted to welcome Jane Milligan. Hello, Jane. Hi. Thank you so much for, for joining me today. Well, thank you for asking me on. No, you've been a, a you've been a big 
get, if you know what I mean, of mine for a long, long time. So I'm really, really glad and gratified that you've you found the time to speak to me today. So Jane, obviously I know that over the years you've spoken countless times about your dad uh, on, on TV, on radio and in interviews and such like. Um, so I just want to ask you straight up, what are the questions that you're really sick and tired of being asked? Oh, I don't, well, that I don't think I'm sick and tired, but I could tell you the most common question is, what was it like having a dad like yours? And that's a massive subject, isn't it? So It is, yeah. yeah. So that, that's the one that, so what was it like having a dad like yours? But it's normally fused with a bit of, like the interviewer thinks that he's mad. He was mad, you know, crazy. Right, okay. So he was such a crazy guy. And uh, yeah, he was at times, but he, he was other things as well. So I, yeah, I guess the majority of interviews that you've had have been conducted by people who don't necessarily have the, the grounding well, in Spike. I mean, you are more of an expert, I would imagine, but yeah, everybody's got their take, but it, it, I suppose he's slipping out of people's consciousness now in terms of the young youth. Yeah. A shame, but uh, yeah, he's still, his influence is obviously still very strong. Yeah, well, one of the reasons I started this podcast was to keep in my own little way, little humble way to keep the memory of, of the goons and, and by extension, Spike and Peter and Harry and Michael alive. And you'd be surprised, Jane, because, you know, I'm in my late forties now. Mm -hmm. um, And I've had so many guests on over the last 12 months who have been either around my age or younger who are you know either spike fans or sellers fans or goon fans who all got into um the, the common thread is that they all got into either the goons or or spike through parents that seems to be the 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 common way in if you like yeah yeah uh so uh, I think, you know, and I think even, you know, just looking at people on Twitter and, and social media, I think Spike is still very much loved and very much remembered. Maybe, you know, maybe that will decline. Well, that will decline more and more as the years go on. But I think while we can, we should celebrate him. Yeah, sure. I mean, we have a cunning plan to um, produce a few of his children's uh, stories as plays. And there's also... Uh, the bed sitting room is poised mm. to do something. So his work is um, still uh, present, and also his his cards, his calendars that Norma Vaughan's created uh, are still very popular. And plus, his um, they're making a little film about him. We're doing a little documentary about all of his archive being housed in one place. So it's not an introduction to Spike, just a a film about who he was across the board as this multidisciplinary artist who yes. uh, covered so many types of work so many art artistic forms of work so we're creating also a an exhibit on his life um celebrating his life and that will be a, a permanent installation at avenue house in north london hopefully opening in the spring oh fantastic yeah. excellent the, the other thing is, though, that, you know, just this year we've had, and, I, and I've interviewed Nick Newman and um, John Daglish and, and Margaret Caborn-Smith about Spike, the, the play. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, really good. Really enjoyed it. 
and uh, recently, in fact, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to Ian Billings, who I think you've worked with on Pacoon, haven't you? Uh, yes, that's right. We did. Well, I say worked with. He wrote yeah. the most recent version that was, um, yeah, it was sorry, he adapted. For adapted, three. yeah, absolutely. But he, he's obviously he's uh, written for radio. Um, Spike in the, Spike in the Elfin Oak. It was beautiful. Wow, what a piece! Yeah, really good. So this guy, yeah, Ian is is yeah. really thrilling with his input. Fantastic. That's the thing. It's, so Spike's influence is still very much felt. Well, yeah, we're saying he might fade, but he's still got his foot in the door, hasn't he? Absolutely. And I wanted just to mention Spike in the Elfin Oak as yeah. a as a kind of a jumping off point, if you don't mind, because. A very good friend of mine who's who's been a, a guest on this show, uh, Mike Haskins, he supplied me with uh, uh, an old, <laughs> this is going to sound weird, an old woman's magazine from the 70s, okay, okay. called Woman, yeah? Oh, my, my nan used to get it every week. Woman and Woman's Own, she'd get both. Yeah, I think my mum used to get the Family Circle or something Yeah, like my grandma. Uh, are you Australian or New Zealand? Uh, Kiwi, New Zealand. You're in New Zealand, okay. So, um, yeah, my granny was in Sydney. You knew that, probably woi woi. Yes, of course. Well, the reason that Mike supplied me with this uh, this magazine was because it had, or at least he supplied me with uh, an article that uh, covered about five, five or six pages of this June 1975 woman magazine. And it was uh, an interview, and I would imagine it was quite a rare interview with your mum. Oh, yeah. And I just wanted to read you a little bit, if you don't mind, because it's just, I just think it's, it's quite touching. And it's quite, what's the word, enlightening, I suppose, about your dad and, sure. and how he was with the children, with, with, with you and, and your siblings. Yeah. Um, do you mind if I just read this little sequence sure. out? Yeah. The article's entitled, That's My Marriage and I'm Stuck on It. <laughs> okay. The house which they bought recently looks much as one might imagine a Milligan house to look a soaring castellated Victorian fantasy in red brick, complete with tower and baronial hall. Huh. I'm still not quite sure how many rooms there are, she said. This is Paddy. Uh, but of course, it has a fairy garden. Spike would never buy a house that fairies might not like. Our children, uh. can, our children can tell you that. If Jane, our fourth and youngest, comes home in time, she can show you some of the fairy letters she receives. The last one came on her eighth birthday, folded in the heart of a rose which she mm. found by her bed when she woke up. The writing was like a cobweb, so tiny that even Spike needed a magnifying glass to read it. Mm. It told her that if she went into the garden and searched the hearts of the roses, she would find a fairy present, and she did. Mm. It was a little gold birdcage to go in her charm bracelet. We mm. thought it was probably for a fairy to ride in whenever one wanted to be taken somewhere on Jane's wrist. Wow. Um, do you remember all that? Yeah. But there's extra bits I'd forgotten. <laughs> yeah, they both they worked together on that. They were in cahoots, I think. She certainly wrote one of the letters I've still got. It's definitely her. Her I can see it's her writing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the other dad's. But yeah, he actually phoned me from the extension upstairs. It was my birthday party, and he phoned me from upstairs. Now I, it, I was told it was the fairy king was on the phone. <laughs> right. And uh, it was dad on the extension upstairs. Remember when he used to be able to use the extension? Yes. I, I went for, I went along with the whole thing. 
because I had a, a room full of school friends, you know, and we were all in our party gear. Mm. And I spoke and it was him telling me, the fairy king telling me about this gift that was in the, in a rose in the garden. I can remember running down the garden to the rose bushes and searching for it, finding it. You know, I remember it very, very beautiful, very clearly. Yeah, yeah, that's lovely. Did you did you ever were you ever conscious of the fact at one point? Oh, actually, he's famous. Um, not just suddenly. I think it was a, a gradual. You get a you get a you're groomed to understand the way that works by you experience um, him being on television, going to the studios and watching it being filmed, and then you know you get it and as an audience and you go, oh, okay, right, my dad does this. Right. And then, oh, yeah, he appears here. Yes, it, it, it creeps up on you. And as you get older, you realise it's a he's a he's a well-known person, known known by many for yeah. being free and entertaining. And um, I mean, when I was growing up, it was the 70s. So he was he was very uh, fighting for the underdog, many underdogs, mm. champion of the underdog and um, a campaigner for the rights of people and so there were a lot of rallies and letter writing and t-shirts with friends of the earth and greenpeace and save the whales and yeah yeah well um i thought he was you know he's a hero he was heroic for me and i gather that sort of inspired you you've sort of inherited that definitely yeah that's yeah. definitely been handed down yeah i was going to ask you is this is there do you feel you take more after Spike than you do your mum or, or vice versa? Um, I'd say there's a bits of both are present in me, definitely. I, I've probably got both of them. Um, she was an extremely funny woman. And my godmother said to me, Mary Gilead, my godmother, she said to me, your mother was funnier than Spike. <laughs> and I laughed. At her, <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. She was a very funny lady, but I guess you, you would have to be. To, to marry Spike, wouldn't you? She was a Yorkshire lady, no nonsense, Taurus. Oh, well, it's speak, speak as she finds, yeah, that sort of yeah. Yorkshire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. didn't have an accent. That, that drama school ran that out of her, but she was very strong Taurus lady. And Dad um, was pretty bendy with the rules around children, you know, like, oh, let them stay up, that kind of thing, you know. <laughs> yeah. Dinklemo suddenly cried, I got an idea. You got an idea. I got an idea. I know a big strong eagle called Jimmy's my friend and he owes me money. I'll go and try and get him. Dingle Mouse jumped up on the ledge Doo! and climbed the ivy on the outside of the tower all the way down to the ground. Please hurry. Hurry. The witch is going to kill us in the morning. Said the children. So Dingle Mouse ran as fast as he could. He ran so fast, his tail caught fire, and he had to sit in a bucket of cold water to put it out. I want to. Um, you, you mentioned about some of his children's stories. Yeah. Before. I to, to paint you a little bit of a picture. I got into. I first discovered Spike through Bad Jelly the Witch. Right. Which was which was the well, obviously it was a, it was a book, but I heard the he he did an audio version of it in the seventies, yeah. and it was an old it was a record, wasn't it? Yeah. And I grew up in New Zealand, and they every Sunday morning there'd be like an hour long kids program on the radio, and I heard about this, yeah, from um, my good friend Nathan Graves, yeah, 
okay yeah so they'd play it was almost like on it was like the radio station only had three records though <laughs> one was um captain beaky and his band one was the tinderbox by hans christian anderson i seem to remember and oh and sparky's magic piano and um, bad jelly mm-hmm. and bad jelly i was absolutely obsessed by it when i was whatever age i was five six seven eight yeah. and and that was my in to, to spike milligan and that was that was all i knew him for for the longest time uh but i i've i still listen to that now i still think it holds up it's a fantastic story yeah, it is. It's quite successful over in New Zealand. It still goes out as a play. Um, yeah. And someone's doing a like an orchestral version of it this summer. They want to do it again next summer. Next year, she's 50, you know, Bad Jenny. Oh, wow, yeah. 73, yes, of course, yeah. So, I mean, it'd be great if we could make a good big fuss of her next year. I mean, like everything Spike did, it's very subversive, isn't it, in many ways, and... Uh, and you've, you've got you've got God in it. You've got a witch who clearly dies in very violent circumstances. But when I was a kid, you never think of that. You just think this is fantastic. You just think this is full out, isn't it? It's no holding back. You know, no. I mean, the biggest of all the good guys, God. Right, we'll put him in it. <laughs> yeah. in a starring role. Um, so yeah, it'd be great if we did it on stage. It'd be good if you could get Spike's voiceover to be God. Yes. Into the show, couldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. That that was the my first sort of exposure to the Eccles voice as well. Oh wow. Vocal chords of a god. My God. Did he um did he tend to sort of walk around the house doing voices? Many voices, many, many, many voices. Um, children's I mean storytelling. He would do he would do storytelling if he was home at bedtime. Yeah. You know, do amazing storytelling. But Bad Jelly is the culmination of many, the honing of, of the bedside story for the kids. You know, he obviously worked on that for years and that's the definitive. But there were many made up off the cuff stories. Uh, the, the blackboard situation was incredible because it was chalkboard at the end of the bedroom. This is in the first house we were in. And, story would be have drawings as well tell yeah. a story animating you know doing amazing drawings at the same time so bad jelly came out of that all of that my siblings before me and then me there are a few other stories i've found in some boxes you know beginnings of the magic revolving witch that's one that sounds like it's going to be interesting and a version of Sleeping Beauty and Magic Fairy Story, and of course the the, the, the Dip the Puppy that was published. Yeah. And, uh, Excellent. So yeah, there's loads. Anyway, he's got a lot of other bits and pieces that never published, but we're hoping to. You see, as you say about this blackboard, um, I had Mark Thomas, comedian Mark Thomas, as a guest previously, and wow. he, he he met Spike a number of well, a couple of occasions. When he first met him, he asked him for his autograph. And he said that it, Spike's writing, and I've seen, obviously, I've seen Spike's writing, 
and his signature in particular is it's like it was just we, we described it as like in a small illustration his 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 signature because it's so the it's, work of art, it, it is so when he's writing on the blackboard is he painstakingly writing like that or is it just a scroll like a, a, words. those were just characters just drawings of characters oh okay yeah there wasn't there were there wasn't i don't remember there being words it's all characters sure 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 uh obviously this is a podcast focused on the goon show as well yeah. um you were born too late for the goon show but did yeah. you did you did you take to it yes completely devoted and not very knowledgeable about all of them but love them when i just click in and just you know have a list just love it yeah Brilliant. incredible yeah. You know, I still think it's very current. <laughs> oh, a lot of it is. A lot of it is. And I'm re-listening to it, to them all, for the purposes yeah. of this. There's about 300, aren't there? Well, yeah, well, they made three, but uh, two, 250, something like that. But a lot of them, the, the earlier ones were, were were lost, unfortunately. Okay, yeah. Um, but the 140-odd that, that remain, um, so, you can get something out of every single show. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Absolutely. And the music, the jazz. I just love the jazz. Yes. It's just a killer program, isn't it? Yeah. Every every single aspect, every single performer. There wasn't a weak performer. They yeah. each had they each had a, a skill or skills. And, uh, and and what I've come to appreciate more as a as a middle aged man that I'm thinking Harry was fantastic in that oh, show. God. Yeah. Harry. Harry was great. And, and what a great guy. A real level, level leveling guy, wasn't he? The calming leveling influence. Did you did you meet? I mean, obviously you met Peter and Harry, but did they did they visit regularly? Did you see them regularly? Uh, I saw them, should we say, sort of several times in my life. So they weren't regulars. I mean, Peter was in LA by the time I was I was growing up. I mean, I think they were around maybe when I was really little, but certainly Harry, we went to visit them in Mallorca. We they came to the house for dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, we we met them in restaurants. Yeah, I probably saw them, you know, maybe eight, ten times, Harry. I know his son, his two sons and two daughters. I know them all. Well, Jenny, unfortunately, obviously, is. Yeah. Um, Peter was a bit more distant, but I, don't, I remember there being dinners and get-togethers and hysterical phone calls. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and appearances on various TV and film sets, seeing them together there. Yeah, he really, he, he was very sad when Peter died. And very, he just, he lost Paddy and Peter in the space of three years. And that was a serious mm. blowing blow. You know, good, good buddies. They were great buddies, deep good buddies, all three of them. Benteen, not so much. Dad wasn't that friendly with Benteen. There was a lot of competition there, wasn't there? Yeah, it's, it's never quite clear why the reasons why Mike Benteen left the goons. It was never quite clear, but I think it was competitiveness, a lot of it. And, yeah, uh, and it appeared like Benteen was very talented and brilliant um, and very wealthy from a very wealthy background. Mm. Um, I met him several times. I can remember him being very warm and funny 
Yeah. I, I, I would imagine that your dad's politics and Mike's politics were poles apart as well, I think. Right. So I would imagine that would also be a factor. Yeah, uh, sure. Maybe they were both quite alpha. Maybe there wasn't room for both of them. Sure, sure, sure. It was 50 years ago, two weeks ago, that the recording of The Last Goon Show of All occurred. Because oh, it's about another week. 28th was the very first airing of The Crazy People. That's right. Yep. So My, Mike's youngest grandson's birthday, strangely. Oh, right. Yeah, Callum. Um, is the youngest grandchild, and that's his birthday. He's he's a he's a musician like his granddad. He's a good drummer, great drummer. So, what do the grandchildren make of Spike's legacy? They they carefully wade through it. It's been up and down because you know they knew him as little people. They you know they spent quite a lot of time going down to visit Grandpa in Rye, or he came to see them in Barnet. You know there were Christmases and Easter and birthdays all that till I think the eldest was about 10 when grandpa died mm. no, they were a little older sorry I'm not I'm getting that wrong they were a bit older than that but they they definitely hung out together and loved him and they all got on great and he was a great sweet older guy older man then quite delicate in his final years but just adorable wonderful to be around so yeah, they got they they had a good go on their granddad. He has a very special relationship with his granddaughter Georgia, who lives in Sydney. Jay and Georgia are the the children of my big sister Laura. Right. And uh, Jay and Georgia would come over quite a bit. You know that they they, had, they also saw their granddad a lot, and they were special times because they were just there for three weeks. You know whatever. And Georgia and, and Grandpa were really tight. She was oh. a beautiful little blonde-haired princess, beautiful girl, strong, you know. What do you yeah. want to be when you grow up, Georgia? I want to be a general. <laughs> right. Three years old. I want to be a general. He'd have hated that. Spike hated military authority. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, she, she and he got on great. They used to have eggs on toast together and hang out. So he, he was a good little grandpa with the kids. But in terms of now, um, it got very messy Throughout, you know, the, the the final years of Granddad, he was poorly, and 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 Sheila, his his uh, third wife, was struggling to deal with it, and it was it was we, they stayed away a bit, um, and then post Spike's death was pretty ugly, mm. family wise. So um, I would imagine they'd have a bit of a bitter taste about having this legendary Granddad. You know, when you grow up in the environment of, of, of a well-known person, you don't saturate yourself in their material like fans or, or general public might because it's your family yeah. and, and the work is there and it's present and it's all around you. And you do, of course, experience a lot of it and a lot of poems are tested out on you and stories and things like that. But at the same time, they're not, they, they don't really, they probably don't listen to the goon shows as a, as a, a matter of course or listen or know about his music or, you know, but they know he was a super duper special human being because they saw Prince Charles give him a knighthood at Clarence House. So something good was going on. Yeah. They all were there in their little suits and bow ties. There was, there was no animosity from Charles about the groveling little bastard line then. 
None whatsoever. No, I thought he, he actually it was it burst a bit of a bubble, didn't it? Yeah. Remember that moment where it burst the bubble in the room when they when he said it just very quickly and the whole room was for a moment it's like something burst. Somebody said something about the king. But if anybody was going to say it, it's got to be the court jester and that spike, isn't it? Yeah. It was it was it just was it purely off the cuff or had he kind of he was pissed. He right. had been sitting there drinking wine on his own on an empty stomach at, at 80 odd whatever he was all right yeah um and and with the award i think it's one of those ones that they tell you beforehand you're going to get it because it was a lifetime achievement mm. so he probably had a few words somewhere in his head but he sat there drinking wine till the end of the three hour bloody filming you know mm. got up and had to speak and genuinely i could see him struggling with embarrassment Apart from the fact he was probably wobbling on his pins and starving hungry, <laughs> um, he he got his hanky out several times, and I know that thing of him. You know, he was embarrassed. He didn't like Jonathan Ross. He made that quite clear. Mm. And um, as the the letter began to be read from Prince Charles, it just came out, and it was just spontaneous and brilliant. Mm right on time everybody loved it and it's funny it's what people remember him for that and i told you i was ill i was just gonna say it's it's i told you i was ill and the prince charles quip yeah so uh yeah and and also very another weird thing that's happened and it happened when the pandemic was sort of in its full thing last year or the year before um the poem the smile started doing the rounds on social media mm. and, and stuff and now Spike didn't write that poem, but it had been attributed to him. And it had kind of pandemic, it had virus in it. Let's, it's about the smile, spread, spread the smile around the world and everybody will catch, catch it. And Spike's name was on the bottom of this poem. People just sending it to me, sending it everywhere. <laughs> it wasn't even by him. Um, but people, people think it is, which needs to be for Jez Albra, who wrote it. It's a bit of a slap in the face but oh well it, we do our best to try and rectify it that it's that it wasn't ours Seale wasn't so sure you know whether it belonged to spike or not people what it could have done and i said no i just didn't feel like it was his poem no way i would have known about it as a kid yeah some of my favorite of his creativity is his, his poetry i think it is astonishing the poems some of them I think they're incredible. I think they're just like, they're so healing. But it could be because it's my dad and I understand his language. Mm. But I just think the poems are off the charts. Funny, cute, touching, moving. Can you hear my dog going crazy? I can. <laughs> um, I, uh, my son was born 16 years ago. We were given a, a book of sort of, I don't know, first thoughts, you know, for new parents to write thoughts and jot down whatever about, about your new baby. Mm. And I was sat in the hospital with this tiny little creature that was only hours old. And I was just thinking, I, I want to write something in this book. I don't know what to write. And the first thing that came into my head was um, that Spike poem. Uh, I'm trying to think how it goes now. My darling little baby. I wonder yeah. what he'll be, Prime Minister of Denmark or the King of Italy. Oh, um, wow. I waited 20 years just to see what he would be. Oh. He's now a dustman in Chiswick. 
oh dairy dairy me <laughs> fantastic there's so many like that they're just so funny aren't they just so lovely his, his mastery of words you think i'm mad don't you you paid to come in Maverick, after the famous gunslinger, partner. Maverick prowls at rumbling bowels <laughs> that thundered in the night. It shook the bedrooms all around and gave the folks a fright. The doctor called, he was appalled, went through his stethoscope. He heard the sound of a baying hound and the acrid smell of smoke. <laughs> yes, as I thought, you've been and caught an Asiatic flu. You mustn't go near dogs, I fear, unless they come near you. I won't do it. It's not very funny after that. Just creation. Just, I mean, I'm, I'm swimming in it at the moment because we've got this little lodge cottage on the estate at Avenue House that's operating as a, an office and storage and, and, and the beginnings of this exhibit. And it's just full of good, good goodies, goodness, stuff, poems, books, manuscript, mm. music, paintings. Um, collections, his archaeology, they used to dig for stuff, you know, his clothes, I've got all, the, all his lovely performing shirts and his dance band three-piece suit and his his beautiful suit he got married in, you know, I've got, I've got his energy all around and it's, it's, it's wonderful, it's great stuff, you know, I hope we can do a good thing with this exhibit. Oh, great. Just on his clothes, you, you will have seen, because you, uh, I think you retweeted it, I, I, did a tweet a couple of weeks ago about the, the the famous jumper that Spike wore for the last Goon Show of All, which also he wore in the Man About the House movie. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, is that still is that still around? I haven't seen it, but unfortunately, a lot of stuff did go. Yeah, um, and also, you know, Sheila, his wife, probably wanted to keep it and wear it. I would imagine. How you do when someone dies? Yeah. You know, you... Yeah. I mean, I, I bought a jumper recently, which is just like one of his old jumpers, I realise. I've done it sort of somehow um, without realising. Yeah, uh, he had some iconic 70s gear. He wasn't really a suit and tie man that often. No, and caps. He liked to wear a cap, didn't he? Yeah, there was a, a style, wasn't there? I think Norman used to have them made by a guy. Black oh, right. Yeah, they were like a black corduroy. There was a period in because I've obviously seen and heard a lot of interviews from Spike from over the years, mm. and there was a period in I want to say sort of mid seventies where he called everyone dad for a while. Dad, it was daddy, <laughs> daddy, yeah, daddy. It was, he was the jazz man. <laughs> he was going to Ronnie Scott's every night of the week and listening to the world's finest musicians and having dinner there, and then driving home probably on a bottle of Matthias Rosé. <laughs> daddy yeah daddy and it was excruciatingly embarrassing <laughs> especially when he'd do dancing and shout yeah daddy in the middle of it oh please <laughs> stop it make it stop you know cool dad but he was bloody cool actually you know, I think. yeah Paul what are you doing now daddy I'm uh, playing fiddling good yes paid off. the waiting game paid off then Pardon? the waiting game paid off <laughs> Well, you were studying architecture, I think. I was studying... Um, you weren't oh. studying architecture, you were studying... Paul, were you the captain? I, I am the captain. Paul, yes, captain. that's right. I went and st uh, came and had tea with you and your mother. 
you're getting confused. Unpleasant, Captain. Long lost descendant. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, okay, Daddy. Well, that's right on, Daddy. Tell us about yourself, man. Like, I don't know your daddy. No. He very sweetly moved his office, his working operation, back home when Paddy died to be around for me. Sure. Um, and so uh, you know, I saw him every day, pretty much. He was upstairs writing. We had enough room for him to do that. He loved writing in his bedroom. You know, he was, pretty, he was quite disciplined. Um, yeah, because I, I know that during the the goon show heyday he would he was very disciplined from what i've read in terms of he would go into the office into um a a a l s and yeah. do a full day's work and sometimes get the last tube home and you know there, there was no sort of slacking no his dad and mum had a very strong work ethic i think despite living in probably quite luxurious scenarios out in um, india and that mm. granddad grandpa milligan was a writer I don't know what he, I mean, articles and articles about things. He mm. was a, he was a disciplined man. And, and my grandma was very efficient housewife, you know, mother, very together woman. So, yeah, he, he, uh, he's certainly learned his, I think you can't get anywhere without really working very hard. And he, he was not shy of that. And he, he, you know, we were all out working when we were 16, I think. Not that he was making us, it's just he just instilled an ethic in you to just go and get it, go and get life, go and get it. It's it's amazing, you know, go out there and get it. There's a couple of, uh, I want to ask you a couple, couple of quite specific questions, if you don't mind, which you may, you may not be able to answer, to be fair, but I just, I want to ask you just in case. To your knowledge, did he ever talk much about Larry Stevens? Not really to me, but the name I've heard in conversation, of course, I know who Larry Stevens is, but mm. yeah, it's a tragic story, isn't it? Yeah. And, and it's kind of, you kind of get the feeling from what I've read that Spike was never fully sort of reckoned, not reconciled with Larry, but I think there was, they kind of, they, they would fall, fall in and fall out with each other. Okay. Um, and yeah, I just wondered whether, because I know Peter Sellers was very much moved and affected by Larry's death, premature death. I okay. just wonder whether Spike ever sort of... I'm sure. I mean, Spike had lost people. Mm. How close they were. I don't know how close he was at the end of Larry's life. I don't know. Um, sure. No. Okay. okay, that's fine. Um, do you remember him being on The Muppet Show? Yes. Um, yeah, Spike... And the Muppet Show it was filmed in Elstree, so it was quite near our home yeah. in North London. And it wasn't long after Paddy had died. And I think he invited me and my best buddy at the time, Leah, to go for the day to Elstree. Right. Maybe he'd done a few days, but I certainly went on the weekend and I met all the Muppets. And I <laughs> mind-blowing, mind-blowing time. Wow, so you were actually there to see it filmed? Yes, I was. Fantastic. Yes, I was. And I met, you know, I, I touched the puppets. At one point, I put my arm inside Miss Piggy, which I was told off because it's <laughs> sacred territory. You don't do that. You don't put your arm in the pig. So, um, yeah, I was only 11. It was, it was really, I've got a photograph in somewhere, actually, um, of me with Aussie Bear. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
because he's because he's on that show have you have you watched that show in I recent did. years i i often dip into it because it's quite a good way of of showing people um what he was like very quickly you know? oh so, but he's yeah. it's like he's on um he's on amphetamines or something he's even for spike he's he's 100 miles an hour isn't he it's fantastic he's so it's he's really i think on great form and he's funnier than they are much funnier yeah and i gather am, am i right in saying that um he he kind of put himself forward for the muppet show rather than he wasn't asked so much he 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 asked to be on is that right i don't know i've no idea i was too young to know about that um, quite likely, yeah. It was quite wasn't. If he wanted to do something, he'd, you know, ring up and say, "Can I do it?" Yeah. yeah. I don't know if he went on before Peter or after Peter, but they both did it, didn't they? Yeah, Peter. I think it was, I think Spike was seventy nine. Salas was seventy eight. I think. Um, what about Spike's sort of cultural diet in terms of? Get it, get it. As we're getting into the eighties, nineties, you know, what was, what did he, did he go to the cinema much? Did he watch, did he like TV shows much? Did he? I know he liked Flywheel, Shyster, and Flywheel on the radio. Okay. What was, what was he into? What sort of things yeah. turned him on? Very much, we would go to Ronnie Scott's quite regularly and listen to jazz. Right. And then he occasionally take us to a classical concert. Went to quite a lot of classical music. Okay. Ballet. We went to the ballet. We went to the opera. Went to the theatre. All right. Um, it was a lot of culture going on. Yeah, a lot of museums. We used to go to a lot of museums. And he did like watching TV, uh, but he wasn't, it wasn't massive, you know, just, uh, but we would sit down as a family. Well, what was left, you know, people had left home by then because mm. they were adults. <laughs> but me, my dad, my nan, and my stepmom would watch Dallas. Right. To shreds. And that hysterical, you know. He was very good at doing commentary that was supremely hysteric. Is that it just we'd induce hysteria in the room, you know, <laughs> crying. Um, so television, that was kind of oh, and he and I used to like to watch Hammer House of Horror mm. on Friday nights and Saturday nights. You know, I'd make these jellies and we'd eat jelly and watch Hammer House of Horror. We loved that. And he would also commentate a bit on that which was funny from from interviews i've seen including uh with uh <coughs> jonathan ross he was pretty dismissive of of alternative comedy um did did because yes, you would have been the right age to have been really yeah. into things like the yeah, young yeah, ones I and what years, very much i did observe him being extremely dismissive of anyone that used toilet humor and sexual humor as as funny because he was right in a way. He 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 didn't. You don't need to do that. And um, I think if you look at Eddie Izzard or Paul Merton, the toilet humor is not present. It's just way out there. You know, it's seriously surreal and very mm. funny. Mm -hmm. So it was this sort of snot and bums and shagging and stuff that he was. He was just disapproving <laughs> that. You know, it wasn't funny. He said, "This isn't funny. Toilet humor. It's not funny." And I kind of got it, you know. And there's a lot of cheesy stuff as well, wasn't there? And a lot of racist stuff, really bad. You know, uh, Jim Davidson, and, uh, really bad racism. And Spike, even though Spike has had a bit of a kicking 
um, since this whole woke situation going on, that he was racist. And apart from him saying, once I'm not racist, I hate everybody. He was born in India, spoke fluent Hindi. I think felt like a native Indian and um, it didn't really, it wasn't a thing for him. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, yeah, yeah Spike, Spike and modern younger comedians. They were the odd, the odd one that he loved. You know, there's a guy called, I think he might have been called Steve Smith, if I got that right, an American. Way out, Steve Smith. Oh, not, um, I, th- I think I know who you mean. Um, quite a long face and talk quite slowly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What's he called, people? Oh, Mike no. Smith. Um, Not Mike Smith. <laughs> no. Um, Steve, someone, Steve Wright? Steve, Stephen Wright. Stephen Wright. I think that's it. Dad thought he was fantastic. He loved Groucho Marx, you know, WC Fields. He thought those people were hysterically funny. Um, that That's our albums, the comedy albums. Jimmy Durante. Um, there's, a, there's a sketch, um, Word Power, from Milligan Preserved which is Spike talking to Valentine Dial, I think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's the one of the funniest sketches ever committed to vinyl or anywhere, any medium, I think. It's it's really, really funny. Do you know the one I mean? I don't... I'm sorry, the album Milligan Preserved, I do. No, no, the sketch, I can't say. I can pick it out, but I know the album, yeah. Uh, Mr Quark. Uh, yes? I believe you have a very interesting hobby. Uh, I, I, I believe I have, so, yes. Uh... I uh, studied the pronunciation of words. I, uh, I learned how to pr- pronounce them. What words do you take most interest in? Oh, the uh, a large grafter, the, the family size. You know, I, I measure them with a little slider first. Uh, uh, one's about uh, two and a quarter is the uh, right size for Debrit, you know. Uh, they're sort of the... Uh, Epitome of le- learning, sir. Oh, it must be. It is, yes. Uh, could you demonstrate one of these words for us? Yes, sir. I'll. Uh, um, um, <clears throat> oh, ovipositor. Ovipositor. I think that's an Irish one, sir. The O apostrophe. Yes, I oh, What does it mean? Oh, I don't know what it means, sir. It takes me all my time to learn. Uh, tell me, Mr. Quark. Uh, where do you use these words most? Oh, uh, indoors and the cover side of the damp. I, I, I think I, I, know, I, know, I, 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 I never say them when there's a frost about. Oh, why not? Well, I don't know. I, I don't like taking chances with them, you see. I, uh, Mr. Quark, when yeah, that's did a, this... that, that is a superb album. I mean, it's a work of art, really. I've got to listen to it again because my mum's singing on fun. fun that's fun. right. Yes, she is, of course. I've listened to that several times. I should listen to the guy, the man as well, Spike. I should listen to <laughs> <laughs> that guy. Yeah, <laughs> the guy on the album was he? Who? Yeah, him. <laughs> he was pretty good. It's yeah. funny too. But she was really funny. <laughs> That's what Mary Gilead said. She was much funnier than your father. <laughs> <laughs> did you? Did you and he have many major? Not, I don't mean arguments, but did you? Did you disagree about lots of things? Once. We had one thing. Mm. And that was because I nearly overflowed the bath. And I was like 13. And he got really cross because I think Paddy used to do it. She had died. 
But I think she used to do it. She used to forget the bath was running. Mind you, we lived in this house that had five floors. And we were, I was on the third floor, so I'd come downstairs, left the bloody bath running. And it, it nearly went over, it didn't go over. But I think the reason why he got cross, he came running up, he came up the stairs and said, mm, pull your socks up. <laughs> that was my telling off. I never had any other tellings off. Wow. There was an exasperated phone call when I was skint and 23 and I got my own flat and think I'd run up about £3,000 worth of debt right? buying tools and trying to decorate, you know, and then the show I was working on had closed. I think he got a bit exasperated with me and said, I mean, couldn't you get a, like, get a normal job? And I had to say, you, you are saying that to me. You, you used to play the trumpet in a cupboard under the stairs practising. In, the, in a house in Deptford or Catford or whatever. Are you telling me I should get a normal job? It was very funny. You know, of course, we ended up kind of laughing about that because he knew that was impossible. Was that sort of rare glimpses of him having to be an adult? Oh, yeah. He, he, yeah, oh, yeah. He was good at being an adult. He was very good at it. He ran an incredible home, family. He did so well for everyone. He, you know, he... He was a very good adult. He, he tried so hard to stay fit and well for us all. You know, and all the time he was dealing with quite a sensitivity that was very hard in this tough old world, you know. So um, people often think he was just a normal around and everything. And, you know, he was just a crazy man. But mm. He put his faith in people. A lot of people say he was crazy, you know. What a man must have crazy mad living with your dad you know i think the daily mail did their best to shame him just after he died by telling the story of spike trying to kill sellers with a potato peeler oh yeah the fact that it was a potato peeler you know come on guys um you know people like to get this image of him as a mad mad bloke you know he's difficult to deal with and this and um i look through his history as a creative on who he was up against at the BBC and what he was up against. And I look at the damage that he went through in World War II as a young soldier, being injured and losing people and all of that. Mm -hmm. um, this man was not mad. He was just very bright and very sensitive. And uh, he was dealing with life the best he could. Um, so the misconception that he was nuts, I think he, he suffered incredible damage in World War II. If you read his war diaries and you hear him talking about it, you know, how he was being shot at, he was bleeding from the backside at the time he had horrendous piles. And, um, yeah, really sick. And he'd been on duty for, like, three days with no sleep. And he was up a mountainside in, in Italy. Yeah. He, he got blown up and he'd lost people and he ended up a de delicate, injured soul in a, in a camp somewhere. He was damaged, war damaged. Nowadays, people get millions for that. It's called PTSD, and we mm. get treatment and all that. And, and thousands and hundreds and thousands of these young boys were very damaged. And he, Spike hit the limelight, and he was dealing with our assholes at the BBC. You know, <laughs> really bad stuff. Well, what is this go-on show? Yeah. Those people. 
it was still present and still ruining people's lives. Um, so no, that misconception that he's nuts, I, I like that chucked out because I think he's done some, he's, he's explored areas of imagination and given us creativity like Van Gogh would give paintings to the world. I think Spike's comedy and poetry have, have lit up this world. I forgive him everything, but he's my dad, so I would. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I would say four things that he's given the world that I would cherish forever. So there's there's, there's all of the Goon Show, obviously. There's Pacoon, which I love. No. Um, there's his poetry. There's the bed sitting room. Oh, right. Um, the film of which I think is sorely, sorely underrated. Really? Yeah, I think that's fantastic. I've covered that on this podcast as well. We've just had it turned into a musical. John Antropus came to me just after Norma died and said, can we do something about this? Wow. So I introduced him to um, a man called Julian Littman, who's a great musician. Yeah. Um, And they got together and they hit it off and they they wrote 11 songs in like four days or five days or something. John, John Antropus is in his 80s now. He is amazing. You wouldn't think it. <laughs> Catch it while you can. My God, he's incredible. You know, apparently yeah. he was um, damaged in, in his fifties. And Spike said, "You've got to go to AA, man, Daddy." And, <laughs> and he sorted himself out. And uh, he's been clean for fifty years. He said something like that. Right. And um, he came to us and said, "Look, I've got this piece of work. Can we do something with it? Can we? Can we do? Can we?" And it worked out and um we'd like to to put it on so uh, that's alive and well the bed sitting room a version of it might might appear at some point excellent yeah no as i say it's great i'd love to have seen the bed sitting room on stage back in the day there's a reading of it coming up in lincolnshire do you know about that? yes i do um do you do you know about the steps video well, no, go on, tell right. me what... Okay, yeah. so you know the pop group Steps? Yeah. And in 2000, they yeah. they had a TV special and Spike was in it, um, in a gymnasium of all places. God. Just, and God. and it was awful. It's, it's terrible. And you just think, why Spike? Because he 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 was going to be in the, um, the last series, was it the last, or a Christmas special? or No, it was a comic relief special for um, One Foot in the Grave. Oh, wow. And and I think he just became too ill. Well, Norma kind of pulled rank towards the end, and that was a bone of contention at times. You know, she she, she, she stopped a few things. Yeah. Something that I disagreed with, but, you know, I guess it's very delicate when an artist gets to a certain age. She was very protective, let's maybe say that. Mm. That, that. That was a bad decision, wasn't it? Mm. Whatever that was. And it wouldn't be him. He used to call himself a parcel in the last 10, 10 years of his life. He'd say, I'm just a parcel. I just get in a car and I get taken <laughs> here. I just do this. And then I get back in the car and I'm taken home. <laughs> just a parcel. I don't think he was very happy about certain things. You know? No, no. But he was in Gormenghast and that, 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 was a, that was a good show to go out on, I, su- I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He nearly made it to Pakuno, and she put the kibosh on that because she didn't like the producers. 
Oh, they said we will come and film green screen in the front room if we just get him to be God in this or the, the narrator. Actually, I think it might have been the, the author or the narrator. It should have been. They made it Richard Attenborough in the end. Didn't they? Uh, they did a film. film yes. Book. Yes, that's right. With um, with um, Jim McDonald from Corrie. Okay. I was in that. I don't remember Jim McDonald from Corrie. Wasn't he? Being. I thought he was. Well, did he play? Who was he? I don't remember. You're I... probably right, but maybe I wasn't in the scene with him. I can't remember the actor's name even, but I'm sure he was in it. <laughs> There's some really great people in that. Sean Hughes was in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, Sean Hughes, he left very young. Yes, sadly, very sad. And David um, David Kelly, who uh, I remember, everyone remembers from Robin's Nest, the one-armed dishwasher. Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah, some legends in there. Milo O'Shea. Mm. Um, but Jane, listen, thank you, thank you so much um, for, as I say, for, for taking the time to speak with, with me today. And you've obviously you, you've been um, performing yourself. Obviously, you're an actress and. and treading the boards you, you've just recently yeah. finished magic goes wrong is that right yes i have i really had a great time with that company um, mischief they were wonderful people to work with and it was quite scary coming out of the lockdown and getting back in the rehearsal room and, you know all that masking and coviding and mm. testing i didn't enjoy that it was mm. very deaf to the creativity um, but we got through it and i had a great role i had such a good time in a wonderful company with a great producer and it was just fabulous loved it and that's yep. um Penn and Teller were involved with that weren't they they certainly were they were the magic they were the magic and they were in touch from afar but they were certainly on board and uh, uh, we we had a lovely run in town we did really well um so I was blessed to do that and I feel like I don't really need to do it's got to be good to top that for a while. Yeah, yeah. Back on the road with with my band, Redbox. Okay. Yeah, sort of eighties sensation. Don't know if you remember Redbox. I remember the Black Box. <laughs> yeah, Redbox. Um, they actually wrote a song called "Lean on Me," which is confusing because it's the same title as Bill yes. Withers. And for America was their other hit. So, um, yeah, it's kind of. But they since then have had had great couple of great albums, three albums actually. Um, but Simon Tulson Clark, who heads the band, is Jack Tulson Clark's son. And Jack was Norma's sort of not husband, but life partner. Oh right. So I went to Norma's funeral um February, March 2019 up in Middlesbrough. And um I met so many great people, but I cemented a friendship with Simon that day that that led to me being in the band. Good Just, God. <laughs> really weird coincidence. Uh, we're going up to play a gig in Whitby this summer, actually. Um, we're doing some festivals in, in, in Oxfordshire and Poland. Oh, right. <laughs> are, are, are you the, what are you, uke, squeeze box? What are you? Uh, no, no, no. I'm vocals and, and keyboards, piano. Oh, wow. So I'm doing that, which is really a, a, a real treat. Um, and also I'm doing um, something at the moment called The Goblin Market, which is by Julian Littman. It's Goblin Market Music. And we're playing Glastonbury Festival, which I'm absolutely over the moon about. Wow. Um, 
Julian Littman, who I mentioned to you earlier about bed sitting room, he's an all round guy. He's in Steel Eye Span at the moment, the, the folk band. Oh, yeah. And he's written the music for The Goblin Market, which obviously is a poem by Christina Rossetti. And it's set to music and it's quite a spooky tale. And I'm singing quite a bit in that. Um, Maddie Pryor is also on, on the album. And uh, we're doing Glastonbury. Good God. And just hope the weather holds up for you. Ah, well, that's always the thing, but it's always great, Glastonbury. It's always just after the equinox and it's warm, you know, it's June, yeah. it's warm. I have been soaked, Glastonbury. Just, uh, just on um, Steel Eye Span, you know that yeah. there's a goon connection to Steel Eye Span? Go for it. Peter Sellers sang on one of their songs. No. Um, New York Girls back in the, what was it, 70s? It would have been. Wow. Why did he sing Oh, sorry, no, he didn't sing. What am I saying? He was on the ukulele. He was on oh, the ukulele. Wow. Yeah. But a woman shift and apron that were no use to me. really lovely to talk to you it's very interesting it can be quite tiring dad you know it can be i say tiring because you get emotional and that always drains you yes yes you know you miss him i'm, I'm talking about me of course <laughs> i'm saying you know I, I miss him so just talking all jolly and then you end the you end the interview and you think why am i so tired and it's emotional tired i think yeah, I can imagine that. I can... Around inside the life of him is a wonderful thing. He's an incredible guy. I do miss him. And I pretend I don't because of him. <laughs> Thanks again to Jane. Thank you for listening. Please rate and review on iTunes, please, because it does help the show to become more visible and uh, raise the profile and whatnot. Uh, I will be back next week with another special guest, another show, another topic, as always. And till then... Take care of yourselves. See you soon. Bye.